1: I found out Sir. recently uh, that in, in the state of Maine, it is illegal uh, to purchase or sell marijuana, but it is legal to possess and use. And so there is a company that, of, of psychic uh, people who will find and deliver to you your lost weed and <laughs>
2: fuck
3: wow. yes
2: mhm that's so he, fucking funny
1: <clears throat> your lost eye that's yeah so so they're not selling you weed this is weed that you already owned but you lost and they're using their
0: psychic powers to find it for you and they're charging you a delivery and they're charging like a you a delivery fee? fee yes it's good so <laughs> Anyway, I... uh...
3: Bite him fuck it i'll bite him
1: <laughs> all right johnny i'll put the ball in your court did you want us to cut away or do we want to investigate this this moment right here right now
2: um i don't know i think they're both fun and funny so uh here how about how about this travis draws his gun points it at gable and says you lied to me and then we then we can cut. Unless Gable has a a a good zinger.
1: Oh
3: Gable never does. Liz never does. Liz can't do G- shit. Gable is like
1: half coherent right now, too.
3: <laughs> James, thank you for making cool things out of my my roles cuz I'm you did cool things you did of, cool that was awesome and that was ideas my guy that
1: was difficult for all of us that was two crits in the same role <laughs> i don't freaking know folks it's just been a while since we've had the mariners attack so what i'm going to do we've eliminated the mariners on the staircase but there are still those mariners that are immediately surrounding La Llorona herself and whoever managed to slip up the staircase uh, from that original procession before and also like they're trying to make new mariners at the top of the stairs so we're going to just roll an attack okay So that is four successes with the three damage from the Swords of the Mariners. This is going to be five damage total coming at either the crew of the Uhuru or uh, the townsfolk (laughs) of Nordia. So once again, we play the game of uh, what are you willing to risk? Will this be going to the Uhuru crew or will this be going to the citizens of Nordia?
0: Nordia this time Okay Ooh,
1: What a nasty Rough choice for you to make Because we, we move to The top of the stairs And We once again see La Llorona Facing off against Toku Suddenly she begins flicking and twitching her fingers very quickly, rapidly shooting blades of water towards Toku. Toku suddenly is on the defensive, moving back as Laerona glides forward with these eerie jerky movements. I think as Toku is blocking like we can see these Blades of water sort of exploding at the end of his sword and cutting at his skin as it flies past him. While she is doing that and probably shooting blades of water at other members of the Uhuru crew as well, who are similarly either trying to block and parry those shots or diving for cover. The mariners that are around her move towards the citizens who are now moving slowly as though they are trudging, wading through water and more and more of them get stabbed by daggers in the hand, Uh. causing mariners marks to bloom and blossom against them. So, the numbers are getting worse as more and more people are turned into mariners at this critical junction that separates the town from the Uhuru. With that, I-, I think now is a good time to turn to Margaret and Jonnet. Margaret and Jonnet, you are kind of at the, like, ju- just see down the stairs from all of this, like, looking up onto this chaotic scene. Uh, what do you do?
0: Jonnet sees all this, processes Toku, sees all the, the, the turnings happening, and just goes to Margaret put me down and step
1: away. Margaret, you know, is very much uh, believes Jonet's got to know what he's doing at this point. Uh, <laughs> puts him down and like I think moves into a defensive position behind him, like prepares to face down the crowd of mariners that are ascending the stairs. Jonet, uh, what
0: you doing? So, Jonet, I'm I'm going to take that strain again and Be uh, yeah, now we're getting to, now we're getting to some uh, <laughs> some, <laughs> we low. Um, so, I want to have I want to have the ground underneath Janet's feet just like go vertical, and I want it to launch Janet straight at uh, La La Llorona. La, Llorona. La Thank you. Uh, and I want to have Janet launch straight at La Llorona.
1: And, you know, we're probably also going to have some listener just come in and correct everybody's pronunciation on it. <laughs> I, I can assure you by this point, uh, I have already received emails uh, by people who have very gently told me how very stupid I am
3: uh, <laughs> <laughs> and how easy it was to get so this right. So nice. So nice about it, about so, how so stupid kind you
1: are. <laughs> And I, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best, and uh, I'm, I'm usually playing with just a quarter of the cup everyone else has got. Uh, so yeah, you're, you're, you're like flinging yourself forward as a little jonet missile. Uh, yes, which-
0: exactly. I want, I, I want to tackle her. Egalasia. Cool. That makes I I want to disrupt the spell or her concentration or something.
1: Oh, okay. That that's great. That's super easy to do. I think then you fling forward. I want you to roll uh this. This is gonna be an average check, I think. Uh right. it's not a not a big spell.
0: reroll. Oh, why did I re-roll that?
1: <laughs> oh no. Okay. Janet, no! okay.
0: Oh, oh, buddy, it's it's two failures. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, fuck! Well, <laughs>
1: wasn't expecting this, but here's what it's gonna do and gonna be. Yeah, yeah. Let's turn up the heat. No. Uh, <laughs> Jonet, you fly forward intending to disrupt the spells of La Llorona. I think like you you move as though you're going to hit her in the back and like her, her fingers are twitching and flicking shooting these blades of water and then her head quickly turns to an unnatural angle just before you impact her, so that she is looking directly at you, and she lets out a bone-chilling cackle as kind of like almost like jerky skipped frame animation. Uh, The rest of her body turns to grab you from the air. And I think you feel a little bit of pain as like your body violently comes to a halt as she is now holding you by the arms and you are looking at her face. You can see that her face is mostly covered by uh, a veil. And beneath it, there is the horrible blue-green glow of her eyes that see ghost light coming through the veil. But she looks at you cackling and takes one of her hands away and lifts her veil. And the face you see beneath... (sighs) I think Jonnet has probably seen more horrific things in his life. You know, like, between the supernatural dangers that Jonnet has faced down and the human atrocities that Jonnet has unfortunately had to witness, this is not the most terrifying thing that Jonnet has ever seen. But... It is deeply emotionally impactful, I think in a way that is almost heartbreaking. You see the face of a woman who looks violently sad, and I mean every part of that, full of violence and hatred and full of sadness, tears streaming down that face, and Where the eyes should be, there is just this horrible blue-green light. You can feel on your wrists a sensation that feels cold, but like it is burning as well. And prickling on your palm, you can feel more of that sensation too. As you stare into her eyes, slowly but surely, the mariners that are around you start to drop dead one by one and as they die and fall to the ground you can feel the intensity of the burning feeling from her hand onto your wrist grow and grow coming from her tears on her face. Slowly the ghost light starts to leak out and that fire moves down to encompass her face burning away the flesh and leaving a skeletal skull in its place and that burns down burning away all of her flesh just leaving the flesh on her hands and slowly there, are, there is like a kind of like pulsing blossom of that fire and suddenly you are not looking at La Llorona's face. You are looking at the Mariner's face. Uh, I, as uh, with uh. all the power of the souls of the drowned sailors that were freshly created and sent into the procession to attack the city, as their souls are drained away and burned up, La Llorona is switched in place between herself and the Mariner, and you now stare at him, a man who looks far more skeletal and far less distinct than he did on the ship before. There is something of the face of La Llorona in his face, but uh. it feels less like there's less personhood there and almost like it's more skull than person. So... You are now face to face with that. Uh, How does Jonnet react?
0: I feel like Jonnet is currently being held. He's being held by his arms, right? And I think one arm at this point because she had to like lift an arm off to open the veil. Well, my first like if that was happening, I would I would want to kick away. But is the spell is the underswell still in effect?
1: Yes, the underswell is definitely still oh, that's, in effect.
0: This is a nightmare because <laughs> I feel like he wants to kick away, but he's like kicking and thrashing in slow motion. Oh! so like sc- <laughs> like y- yipping in real time. Uh, yeah. I mean, okay. I don't have any kind of reaction. Like, do I? Perfect. No. That that's yeah.
1: that's great. Uh, That can be the end of your turn. Let's go back to Travis and Gable.
3: The judges would like to point out that if Travis attacks, he does get an automatic success.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What would that even do?
3: That's the thing.
2: It's
1: just if you want to attack Gable, anybody who attacks Gable at this point gets an automatic success in their attack. I don't think that's necessarily what Travis is doing, but, but it you would know, be very funny. <laughs> it's an option that's
2: available to him. Life is full of options. <laughs> um, here's the thing: Travis is mad.
3: Strike me down, and I will return uh, uh, <laughs> stronger than you can possibly imagine. Can I?
2: Can I shoot your sword? Yeah. Maybe try and shoot it out of your hand.
1: <laughs> that would be, I, 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 so here's the thing. I don't know that, but like if you were actually legitimately just going to try and shoot the sword out of Gable's hand, it would be a daunting check. Uh, you're going to have an automatic success. Shooting my
3: tech. hand as revenge for your hand is very I mean, good. That's, that's
1: good. That's good, actually.
3: Yeah,
2: I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll shoot your sword hand. Good. The so
0: the dominant hand.
2: It's Gable. Gable can
1: it's
3: recover. Fine. I think it's fine. Who knows? Who's to say? I haven't,
1: I haven't thought too much about
2: it,
3: but I'm sure it's fine.
2: <laughs> um. Okay, so And that's a success on top so of I, whatever you roll. Let me let me clear my my e dice. Um, okay, so that is ranged light. No, not ranged light. Um, no, it's ranged light. No, it is ranged light. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Papa's good at this. What's the difficulty?
1: I'm gonna say hard because you are trying to shoot a
2: very specific thing. Okay. Um, so that is a one advantage and one
1: threat. Are you counting the automatic success that you had?
2: (mumbles) (laughs) No. One success, one advantage, one threat. Okay.
1: Johnny, this works. So. Uh, You said you had one advantage and one threat. Uh, So those cancel out. So this is just a success. They do
2: cancel out. That is correct. I (laughs) do know how to play the game. And you were in that moment, you were kind of testing
1: me to to make sure that I knew. Right. And and you win. So (laughs) I passed. Good. Uh, So, Johnny, this works. I I think this means it works the way you intend. So what does that look like?
2: Um. Yeah, so I think Travis shoots Gable's hand. This is only fair. I can't believe it. I can't believe you were going to let me die and stay here. Do I take any damage? What's
1: the such there, James. It would be the damage from his gun. Um mm, and my this gun's is an
2: automatic dead. Uh, oh, okay,
1: cool. Yeah. Auto dead. So, <laughs> I guess roll up a new golden character gun. Liz. Uh yeah, it is the golden gun, but but we were on slappers only. So, <laughs> hold on, we got to retake this whole thing. Uh so Uh, But their head
2: was huge and easy to hit because it was DK mode.
1: (laughs) I I mean, here's the thing uh, about damage and and whatnot. I I think Johnny succeeded this check. Uh, So ultimately, Johnny's deciding what the result of this role was. If if it is to cause damage, we can use the damage rules in the book. But it, it seems like you were going after a cinematic effect from my
2: perspective. Yeah. So I think it would be cool to, to fuck up their hand a little bit, maybe get a nice hole clean through it. That'd be kind of fun. But we don't have to do that. Uh, Liz, Mostly I'll, I'll i I'll ask
1: you what happens when Gable's hand is shot, especially when right now you are more angelic than you have been in the past. Like, not only are you connecting with with that kind of primal rage uh going on but like you you're juiced up by recently absorbing a new feather that you weren't even intending to absorb so all sorts of wild stuff can happen uh, i just want to know what you are interested in seeing
3: so the way i see this gable was hol- holding out their right hand to hold out the sword i think the bullet hit them in the wrist mm and instead of like going through or anything it catches like thunks into the wrist and then mm. it starts to catch on fire oh, so like the skin cool. is sizzling a little bit
1: yeah yeah oh man I I like the idea of there just being, like, a wreath of silver flame that pops around your wrist as, like, the bullet is, like, slowly being burned out of existence. Like, uh, Mm. the the, the angelic form of your body is is rejecting the firmament that was just shot into it. So, yeah, you're totally raged out on angel juice right now. Uh, (laughs) You've got somebody who is expressing uh, some real hurt here, Gable. What do you do?
3: Gable holds up their wrist and looks at the flame a little bit confused then looks over at Travis. Yes, we've all got cool tricks. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Says Travis, who's part snake. (laughs) And, like, I think when you say it, you do a gesture that kind of hurts because you're half transformation.
3: (laughs) Then they reach down for the sword again.
2: I want to shoot the sword hand again. What? Hell yeah.
3: It's an automatic success.
2: Uh, Yeah. I think think we got
1: to do automatic success. I I think you rolled it. Uh, At this point, what I'm going to say is because we're not doing numbers damage here uh johnny's success is when he decides to shoot gable this scene he's succeeding in that and it is achieving the story the story effect that he wants so what are you trying to accomplish with this shot
2: can i so can i actually do it and if you don't if you don't want this to happen that's fine (laughs) but like i sort of you're advancing And you bend down to pick up the sword. Can I, like, shoot the sword away from you so you can't pick it up? Sure. Okay. Yeah, and we've already ruled that, like, the weight of this sword is is
1: very strange. We'll say that, like, yeah, that (laughs) shot is provides enough power that, like, it slides away from Gable's grasp.
2: You were going to leave me. You were going to let me leave you.
3: I don't think Gable knows what's happening. I really don't.
1: I, I th-
2: they- so tell me.
1: Huh. <laughs> All right. Here's a ruling that I'm going to make uh, that I guess introduces a mechanic for us. I think because you've been disconnected from the sword this long, your rage is starting to crash. And whatever coherent part of Gable is there is starting to absorb this conversation, okay. uh, which I know puts the group in a very precarious position. But, you know, what if uh, I have a,
2: a different idea that might be fun if Ooh. we want Gable to still be raged out? Sure, sure, sure. Perhaps instead of shooting the sword away the second time, Gable picks it up. And Travis uh, attempts uh, once again to transform all the way.
1: Oh, yeah. Roll it up. Okay. That,
2: so that'll be two um, strain. That's a primal magic roll. Okay. Optimus primal magic, right? Yes. Optimus. I'm going to say that every time. Um, what's the difficulty?
1: Uh, that is going to be, we'll just call it hard right now. Cause you're like kind of halfway through there should probably be more penalties to this, but like, this is going to be a difficult enough situation.
2: We got,
1: uh, one advantage. All right. So it still doesn't quite work, but I think it progresses, I think it's going to progress this transformation in a a, a different, strange way. So Johnny, I'm kind of thinking if it goes sideways in a weird way, what about a little chimera action? What about uh, maybe some of the animal forms start crossing a little bit?
2: Uh, Ah, yeah, I like that. And I want, yes, I want this.
1: Okay. Tell me what does it look like? What is happening?
2: I think, I mean, how, how much man and how much animal is present? Uh, well, th- this is a
1: thing that I kind of want you to determine. Uh, you tell me how much and which
2: ones. I think it would be <laughs> fun. How much and which ones is a very good um, request. And I think it would be fun <laughs> to be mostly not man. I think mostly coyote body. This is my this is my dream um, beast, coyote body with wings, mm-hmm. uh, snake head, and I guess a little bunny tail.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay, can I
1: talk you into uh, like I want? I just want the most dynamic part of this thing. I think it should be snake tail.
3: Because oh, right, that okay. gives you
1: a long, cool kind of tail. So we can figure out
2: a way to mash up bunny head and coyote <laughs> head. What if it's like coyote head, more bunny body, bunny ears?
1: Ooh, that's ears. weird and oh, freaky.
2: Yeah. Oh, oh, what if
1: we take like the bunny body shape and kind of give it the length of like coyote limbs? Um, so it's like a very strange hybrid of them and you've got the big bunny ears but like a horrible coyote mouth
2: yeah and I just run at Gable to like tackle them
1: Hey Heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the midroll. Heroes, we've got a lot of announcements for this week, so let's get started with a Radvertisement. This one comes to us from the Tales from the Glass-Guarded World podcast. Tales from the Glass-Guarded World is an actual play podcast about a world enclosed in an enormous glass container. It's warming slowly, and the rivers that fall from the sky are failing, causing drought, famine, and panic. Can our heroes figure out what's going on? It's a podcast about climate change, the tragedy of the commons, and difficult problems. There's no big bad evil guy, no pod armor, and no simple solutions. Something that might appeal to listeners of this show, Tales from the Glass-Guarded World has original music, along with amazing art, and a story that will surprise you. Give a listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or whatever podcast tool you like. You can also check out tftggw.com for some incredible character art by Ignacio Corva and Sean Makes. New episodes released on Saturday mornings. Heroes, if you like challenging themes in podcasts, and if you listen to this show, you just might, I think this is going to be up your alley. A huge thanks to the folks from Tales from the Glass-Guarded World for supporting the show this week. Speaking of original music, we currently have a live Kickstarter and heroes so far you have hit every stretch goal we have put up but now we're announcing our final stretch goals for 36 37 38 and thirty-nine thousand dollars. we we're going to be releasing the chords for more songs including the cutting stone toast the axle johnny forgot his square knot which is an all-new song and otto van Von veen a fan favorite thanks to that you'll be able to strum all those tunes yourself at home at $40,000, we're going to release a new variant of one of our songs on the album. Mel D'Amato and Allie Grauer recorded a special version of Lighthouse for a bonus episode of Skyjack's Courier's Call. They sang the song in character as June Hemnall and Braith. And if you hit $40,000, you'll get to hear it as part of the album. There actually is one more stretch goal that we've yet to announce, but I want to see y'all hit some of these first before we bring it out. I want to give a huge thank you to everyone who supported the Kickstarter. I can't tell you what a difference it's making this year. Speaking of making differences, OneShot is supporting the 2020 IGDN Diversity Sponsorship Drive. For those that don't know, every year, the IGDN hosts a scholarship to help marginalized designers get to Metatopia, a playtesting convention. Unfortunately, this year, Metatopia is not happening. But the IGDN is still running the scholarship. Instead of paying for travel registration and board for a convention, the IGDN is just going to give these designers direct financial support and organize mentorship opportunities for them. This is exactly the sort of initiative that OneShot supports. Connecting artists with the resources they need to keep themselves safe and happy enough to do what they love. And providing them substantive opportunities within the industry. OneShot was matching $500 of donations, but we already hit that. And frankly, we hit that almost entirely thanks to Tanya DePass of I Need Diverse Games, who donated a truly incredible amount of money that is going to help a lot of people. With that donation, she also ensured that One Shot is going to offer the full match. So a huge thanks to Tanya. If you're listening right now, we could still use your donations. The goal for the sponsorship this year is $6,000 and we're at 4705 So if you've got some extra money and you'd like to support marginalized artists, please search GoFundMe for the 2020 IGDN diversity sponsorship. Follow the link in our show notes or check out the links on our social media. Before we get back to the show, I want to offer one more name correction to someone who has been very patient with me. Neve Fury, thank you so much for supporting us. If you would like to hear your name thanked on air, be sure to head over to patreon.com oneshotpodcast one-shot podcast. We're currently between thank you lists right now, so if you sign up soon, you'll be able to hear your name sooner rather than later. Thanks again to everyone who supports us already, and everyone who's going to join up in the future. With all that out of the way, let's get back in the sky.
2: I just run at Gable to like tackle them. Wait, to try and look, tackle. Look man, I them. just
0: tried a big old tackle and that did not work. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It's a grapple. It's a combat. He (laughs) gets automatic success.
1: Here's what I think happens. I think you do dive at Gable. Gable is a big enough target and like kind of slow moving at this point that you hit Gable and impact Gable. And We'll just have you be kind of staring down at Gable. The one we'll say the one aspect of man that is retained in this chimera form. Yeah, we all is, know.
3: Stop it. Okay. It's sexual. Uh is
1: is the weight of a man. So Whoa. like this isn't Ugh. like a 40-pound coyote. This is like whatever this beast is, it's like, you know however much Travis weighs it's huge. So like you're looking down at Gable, you feel like it's pretty menacing and you can feel like the magic of this emotion. Like it's so painful and it's mixing with your anger and sadness and hurt and frustration as you glare down at Gable. And very suddenly you feel the strength just getting pulled from your body. You start to feel faint and weak, and Johnny, I need you to take five strain.
3: Ooh. Yeah. Wha- why? Okay. Why?
1: Oh, Ooh. we'll we'll see. Maybe in a little bit. I don't think Travis knows why at this point.
0: I'm oh, strained because okay, because it was weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get back to that i want to pop up to the top of the hill margaret like like there is this big pulse of ghost light behind margaret which is definitely enough to cause her to turn around and she sees what she knows to be the mariner holding jonnet you know, it's one of those things, even people who have never looked at the Mariner before, maybe even people who have never heard of the Mariner before, if they were to gaze upon him, they would know who he is and what he means. Um, I, I think Janet's fear is something that Margaret can feel very palpably in this moment. Uh, She is very empathically linked to people generally and right now because uh, she is somewhat entangled in the promise between Jonnet and uh, Travis, she has a connection to Jonnet specifically. Um, She turns around and I think she tries to move to intervene and the Mariner is going to flick A finger and I just need to read the description of this spell really quick to make sure that I'm getting it right. Okay. So what happens? The rain near Margaret stops like, just freezes in air for a second. Uh, and it's, it's the rain near and around Margaret. It's the rain on the buildings around her. It's the water that is rushing down the stairs and moving through the drainage pipes and whatnot around Nordia. It stops for a quick second and then shoots together, forming a massive wave that crashes into Margaret and sends her tumbling through a door in the building next to her. So she was standing there, like beginning to move towards Jonet and the Mariner to intervene. He flicks a finger and the water uh, splashes across and crashes her into this building. At this point, I I think Jonet could see that from where he is. Uh, I, I feel like if John, it couldn't before the Mariner would have turned him as he's holding him dangling uh. in the air to see that it happened.
0: Uh, uh, Margaret, put me down. Is it like my turn? Yeah, let's I- make it your turn because that was the Mariner's turn, for sure. Okay. So I have one free hand. Uh, yes, you do. Okay. Jonnet is just going to she. I believe I have this. Um, Double-checking my equip mount. Yeah, I mean, I've just got a standard-ass standard, standard ass knife. Jonnet's going to take that out and try to stab... The arm that is the mariner's arm that is like holding his other arm.
1: Cool, cool. Uh, roll an attack.
0: Okay. Wow, this is not the strong point. May wow, I should have. I should have been upgrading my melee.
3: Oh, bud, no. Oh, uh, by how is... much? By like a lot.
0: By by more than. These two. Oh, yeah. Um, what is this against? It's going to be three red dice. Three, three red, red dice.
1: That is three upgrading the dice. check four three times. Three red
0: dice. Okay. Um, I, think you should I think you should I think you should have All right. I don't even. Yeah. All right. Fine. Fine. Fine, D'Amato. <laughs> 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 That was almost cool. Okay, so that is one threat.
1: (sighs) Okay, how do I want to handle this? Yeah, what I think happens, you stab this knife into his wrist. And, like... You feel as you stab it in, uh, the flesh is less substantial than you think it would be. It's like, you know, when you pick up a really well-cooked rib and the meat is just falling off the bone? Don't make ribs worse.
0: Come
1: on. <laughs> Don't bring ribs into this. <laughs> All right, fine. Go ahead, go ahead. It's that kind of insubstantial. The, the, the only thing uh. that like, really feels like it, you, you scratch the bone with a knife as it goes in. And then you can see around the knife what looks like a mixture of coral and barnacles start to grow and uh, envelop it. And as that spreads out over the knife, the knife rusts and rots. it becomes clear that the knife is becoming a part of him in a way. And okay. the the face before you is impassive and skeletal. There was no beard on La Llorona's face, but it seems like the ghost light kind of implies a beard. The the skeletal face in front of you like implies Features and emotions of a face, but they are not there, and the mariner looks at you impassively as you dangle from his arm. We are going to cut back to Gable and Travis.
3: So I got a puppy on me.
1: Yes, a heavy puppy
3: <laughs> a heavy puppy I'm going to try and move the puppy. <laughs>
1: I mean, puppy is a very generous term for what's happening here, but
3: all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to push him off. Do I have to? Yeah,
1: uh, I, I don't know that you need to roll for that. Uh, like, Travis, you, you were hit with a sudden wave of weakness. Or are you just going to be pushed off?
2: I would like to try and bite their arm.
1: Yeah. Um I'm trying to determine who has to roll here. Johnny, why don't you take your your brawl check uh okay. and roll it as though it were purple and red dice. And Gable, you take your brawl check and and just roll it.
3: I Are you oh, sure because I, I think he's still like I I think story-wise, I think he needs to be keep on getting those successes. Okay. Okay.
1: Um what what what's what's your feeling on that? Like
3: because like I th- I think otherwise I'm way too overpowered.
1: Okay. Okay. So then what we'll do here is Gable you're you're going to move to you know push push him off like you can see that he like uh shrugged or or stumbled a little bit, like he's clearly in pain, but there was he was overcome briefly by this wave of weakness, and you you try to take advantage of that to push him away, and he grabs your hand in his jaws
2: How hard does he bite? Travis, that's up to you they bite. Uh I think pretty hard. I hard want enough to that fight you. drop. Mm. Hmm? What was yeah, that? Yeah, I think I think it would draw blood.
0: If
3: you got any.
0: <laughs>
3: well then his mouth starts filling with fire.
0: <sighs>
3: yeah, it was I made uh, a fire right now. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I think, like, you bite, and it sinks down and sinks in. I I believe, Johnny, you had made the decision that as a snake, you are not a venomous snake.
2: Or did Um, you make that decision? I don't know if we made that decision.
1: Yeah, I think if we did, we made it off mic. So, uh, you know, feel free to change it however you want.
2: Well, but I have dog face.
1: You do have dog face, but does that mean you don't have snake teeth?
2: the oh, rules okay. there are no rules baby <laughs> that's true did we we never decided sort of what kind of snake huh no the The only thing that I
1: know is it is a serpent and I don't know if that implies anything different than snake uh, so I think we can be pretty generic about it I don't think we need to base it on a real snake
2: okay cool yeah, then I got Venom. What does Venom do to, what does Venom do to Gable? Uh, so yeah, what I, do?
1: I think that Venom just for the purposes of the scene, that's going to get in. Yeah. Cause like right now, what we're doing is this fight is kind of an emotional outburst, you know, like, like how in a musical, uh, characters just reach a point where they have to sing about their feelings Your relationship, you've reached a point where you just kind of have to fight out part of what you're feeling right now. You know, so much of your relationship has been about protecting yourselves and each other from the difficulty that comes with being friends with one another and travis i think right now uh, you know put himself in a very vulnerable place with gable and found out that he was lied to and is frustrated by that and gable was trying to do a deep kindness to travis but also kind of not giving him credit to from a position of full agency uh, receive that kindness. So what I think is got to happen between you two is we just got to see a fight between this beast that is Travis and this beast that it is, that is Gable. And I, I don't, what, what I'll say is I don't think this is a fight that either side wins. I think this is a fight that resolves some bit of this emotional conflict. So, what does that look like?
3: What I think happens is that once Travis bites down, the venom starts working its way up really slowly of mm. the arm. And as it does, you can see... So, there's, like, the whole wall of flame, right? As it moves, the wall of flame starts disappearing or kind of closing like a curtain, pulling mm. back. So, you can kind of see, like... It's almost a normalizing force in Gable's body.
2: Ooh, interesting. Uh, uh, So I think that, like, as that's happening, so my mouth is on fire. So I think, like, as soon as that starts to happen, Travis kind of uh, jumps back. And does do the flames? What happens? Do the flames uh, recede, or do they just stay there?
1: Here's what
2: I kind of
1: think. I think when Gable is in this angelic form, those silver flames are kind of like their blood. So I think like the flames kind of drip down from your jaws Uh and you've got this venom, which was acting as kind of a stabilizing, normalizing force. So like what goes to the
2: ground is like a mixture of flame, venom and blood. So is the flame, like, hurting me? Like, can I feel that I am on fire?
1: I think it hurts like fire, but does not damage your flesh
2: the way fire would. So I think that at first, Travis is, like, shocked and kind of pulls back, realizes he's on fire. But then when he realizes that it just hurts, everything hurts right now, uh, (laughs) I think that he kind of tries to jump back in and go for another bite.
1: Oh, gosh, we've found the metaphor here is Travis has realized that lashing out at Gable hurts him, but everything hurts him. So he's made the decision to continue
0: to lash out. What is pain to a man whose life is...
3: (laughs)
1: What happens next, Liz?
3: It goes for the other arm, of course.
1: How does Gable deal with that? Like, now flames are sprouting up from that other arm. And, like, I, I think the beast... It doesn't whimper the way a coyote might or or, or cry like uh, a, a crow or hiss or have a death rattle the way a rabbit would. It's like whatever sounds, whatever pain sounds, all kind of mixed together. It is a horrible symphony that you're kind of hearing in that moment. But the beast continues to worry at the arm.
3: Gable's just going to pull him off and try and slam him into the ground to make him stop.
1: Okay. Okay. So Gable is th- using brute strength to try and put this anger at bay, a thing that I'm sure Gable has tried to do in the past, and that similarly is not working. Travis, what happens next? Uh,
2: so I think that I think that Gable is able to to kind of pin pin me down, uh, probably by my like around my throat sort of, but Travis takes his snake tail and I think brings it around to wrap around their neck. So we each are Uh. like, we each have
0: like each other's throats.
1: (sighs) Oh yes. Oh, that's cool.
0: I feel like I just want the floor beneath... Oh, never mind.
3: <laughs> I want them to be swallowed up by the earth so we never have to I, I, deal with it well, again.
0: I, I started to scene paint and then I got an idea for what Janet needs to do. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> cool,
1: cool, cool. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think Gable and Travis are literally locked at each other's throats. A position that they have been... Literally and metaphorically in many times in their lives and now they are staring at one another I think one of the things about the, the chimera and its body is unlike all the animals that doesn't have the void black eyes it has Travis's eyes
2: Why would
3: you leave me? Gable sets themselves on fire. Uh.
1: <sighs> okay, so uh. you envelop yourself in gold flame. I think your body, as much as it can, is insubstantial in the way that an angel's body is insubstantial. Like angels, when they appeared, appeared as wheels made of wings and flames and eyes. So your body takes on a bit of that quality. And is Gable doing this to avoid answering that question?
3: No, it's the last ditch effort of an animal. To get whatever's attacking them off of them.
1: Okay, then, Johnny, how how does Travis endure this? Because everything about what's happening now is painful. It is painful to be this creature. The flames are painful. You've got
2: uh, hands on your neck, which is painful. I think I know what happens. I think that,, um, I think that basically both of us are just exerting ourselves so much and like, neither of us knows what we're doing. And I think that I think that the pain and the like extreme, like expense of energy, I think it causes Travis, because this whole time he was kind of struggling, even back when he was still snakeman, was struggling <laughs> to like stay in this forum and to fight the pain. And I think they both kind of give in to the pain and exhaustion, and I think Travis turns back into just a man, and I think Gable turns back into a, a giant idiot.
0: <laughs> Shut up)
2: <laughs> So it's just like, uh, you know, the two of us are at each other's throats. Gable turns into flames. I think that maybe if Gable is that sort of more wheel-shaped, there's kind of a a rolling or tumbling, like, struggle. And, like, Mm. in that struggle, we both, like, slowly kind of turn back.
3: Like you stick your hand into a spoke. Mm. Yeah.
1: And I think the pain starts... To disappear in as we can see, like this this tumbling ball of fire and animal parts and brute strength and snarling and, and shouting and screaming. Like we can see that the red strings of Margaret's promises and truths has wrapped around them. And from those points, from, from like that tangle of string on your bodies, slowly the fire starts to recede. And with it, the pain starts to recede. And the animal form starts to melt away. And you are left like heaving and exhausted, bound to one another by the tangled complexity of your own relationship.
3: As Gable wakes up, one of the first things they see is Travis's tail receding. And the first thing they think when they see that is realizing what he's done.
2: Oh, yeah. I think uh, Travis sort of looks over to Gable. I need you to promise me that whatever we do, we do together. And I need you to mean that promise.
3: Gable brings him into a big hug. <laughs> mm. I Um, promise. I promise, I promise, I'm so sorry.
1: We return once again to the Captain's Quarters aboard the Skyship Uhuru, where the Captain's Council is gathered around the Suggestion Box. Uh, Someone draws from the Suggestion Box. Uh, Okay, we got another one here. I am finding the new fee system schedule is a bit excessive. Going from my birth to breakfast to my duty station cost me $5. The fact that it costs a dollar to make this suggestion shows how far this has gotten out of hand, in my
2: opinion. I, I must confess, I'm a little confused? No, this is this is simple economics. When I ran a theme park, you see I made all of the food and beverages free, but then I charged people $100 to use the restroom, and it was a perfect theme park that ran extremely well and everyone was very happy except for when they threw up after they went on my violent roller coasters.
3: <laughs> Travis, are you instituting service fees for necessities on the on the ship? Not all
2: food food is free, but to use the restroom, you must pay because how else are we going to keep replacing the door?
3: That's fair, but is this on top of Bathroom Barry's tips? Well, yes. Yeah. I should hope so. Bathroom Barry deserves to be tipped. No, but also it's I'm a shame is, that his
2: <laughs> his first name is Bathroom. Yeah,
3: it's just, it's just a real shame. <laughs> it's real. Well, I mean, as we've discovered prophecy. in this setting, he, cho-
0: he did choose that he name that. though. He saw he saw his path. He chose the name that fit that path. Exactly. We
1: we That's we between have
0: him and the judge.
1: Professionally <laughs> related first names in this setting. <laughs> there are some people who have the last name Smith who you know historically their family were smiths but we've circumvented that
3: by making it the first name now it's an honorarium or whatever yeah. i know a man with a wooden <laughs> leg named smith <laughs> yes finish john who's johnny never mind. who who <laughs> <laughs> so wait a minute. Are we going to have to start calling you Toll Matago
2: because you're instituting tolls for every little thing aboard the ship? Well, no. That's sort of a ship policy, not a Travis policy. I wrote, I wrote the the rule into the ship rule book, but it's a ship a policy. M-
0: Hang on, Janet runs to uh, the the bookshelf, grabs a huge, just <laughs> thick old book slams it down onto the 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 table it says book o rules uh he opens it up flips to he flips very short for finding the exact page and then puts his hand down <gasps> what Travis you you changed the rules what you 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 what you have a 12 12 uh <clears throat> Wait, what's what's the, what are dollars? U.S. So, dollars, a twelve
2: U.S. dollar charge.
0: <laughs> in, in twelve dollars for
2: rope. Also, what what in Sam Hill is a dollar?
3: It's like a Canadian bars dollar. And bits. <laughs> there it is. It's like a Canadian dollar, except American. <laughs>
0: Well, the, the rope charge is just in dollars. The rest are in bars and bits, but you've made up dollars <laughs> for just rope. Well, yeah, that's a check to see if anyone's reading the rule book.
3: Oh, it's a safety thing.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, I well, Yes, exactly. It's like how I require that I have a bowl of uh, M&Ms and, uh, by my bunk uh, every day, but all of the brown ones are taken out.
3: Not because you <laughs> don't particularly like the brown M&Ms, but because you want people to make sure that they're reading all the rules. Yes, I know because I want.
2: I want to make sure all the pyrotechnics <laughs> that are installed around my bunk are safe.
3: That's another
1: thing. I know we're addressing a different suggestion, but I feel like we should have less
2: pyrotechnics in general.
1: In Bite the your tongue. Of the ship. Bite I your I God agree
3: because tongue. I
2: do think they distract from the pyrotechnics around my bunk.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Travis, I I do I do want to like. To talk to you about that because um, you have a, a a very impressive show go off. Thank you. Four fifteen a.m. Mm-hmm. every night, and it's really hard to get consistent REM sleep um, because uh, I it happens right next to me, well, yeah. and it's very startling every night. Yeah, well, that's kind
2: of on you because as as you
0: said, it is four fifteen every night.
2: So that kind of sounds like a planning issue on your part. <laughs>
0: It just feels like you've planned it at an inopportune time for literally every other person who sleeps around you.
3: Well, it if you are having troubles, you can move your bunk next to mine. However, I, I only have a single Roman firecracker, but it goes off at random times, anytime during the day. So you'll never know when it's going to happen.
1: Okay, uh, can we... All just go through our own personal pyrotechnic display just so I can get a sense of how much pyrotechnic activity is just commonplace on the ship.
3: So Gable has a Single? Roman candle that goes off at randomly. random times. I don't know when it starts <laughs> and I don't know when it ends.
0: Right And uh, I mean, as everybody knows, uh, I have my morning pyrotechnic show uh, where I wake up, swing my feet over the bed, and then I shout, "Y'all ready for this And then I jump and when I hit my feet hit the floor, it explodes out and then and then I go get breakfast. Yes.
1: And for me, I, I set up at random places across the ship a bunch of snake fireworks. Uh, that I'd, I'll open a door or something and be
2: completely covered in ash. And yes, before you ask,
3: it's sexual. Okay. No one was going to. No one going to. <laughs> I don't think anyone's asked. In years. I could
0: feel your curiosity. Mm-mm. No, you will. You will I not feel y- anything. I think you're projecting curiosity. <laughs> I feel like you don't know if it's sexual or not. So you're clarifying for yourself, but you're doing it outwardly for everyone else. I've got more concerns
1: about pyrotechnic displays, if I can be honest. (laughs) Slam has fireworks that go off every time he peels a potato
3: when he finishes
1: peeling the potato. But they
3: scare him every time. But he deserves it. He deserves his celebration for completing a task. Believe you me, I, no,
1: I'm not arguing that he deserves to, to celebrate. I am saying they scare him and give him nightmares, but he insists on using them every time. Yeah. I think that he's just trying to fit in and he doesn't really
2: like him at all. No, that's called immersion therapy. And yeah. eventually he
0: will grow to love the fireworks. It has been a while and he's still having a hard time. Well, that's a little him a bit most
2: suspicious
1: things. that the ship's definition of immersion therapy always seems to coincide with things Travis wants to do that other people <laughs> find unpleasant, yet we do anyway.
3: Spit, I think I'm you, sure
0: there's that there's a bylaw in this book about that.
3: You're taking a long walk to a real dangerous precedent. I think you are going to try and uninstall our standard unlimited sparklers policy for all the orphans, and I think that is incorrect. I think they I, need it. <laughs>
1: But but uh, here's the thing: it would be one thing if the orphans were taken from a pile of sparklers that they could play with. The unlimited sparkler po- sparkler policy is that crew members are allowed to attach an unlimited amount of sparklers to any orphan so long as
2: they don't notice. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like you said the same thing
0: twice.
3: The, the same thing. No. <laughs> What uh,
0: spit? You, you want us? You want us to have a a, a a ship where a bunch of tiny orphans are scurrying around in the dark every night? We have to keep tabs where on am them. I gonna
3: put my where, t- <laughs> where am I going to put my sparklers, Spit? Where am I going to put them? You tell me. Where am I going to put them? Where am are going to put. You got all their tiny
0: pockets. Uh, their hands are—they're they're made for all holding made for- sparklers. And and then we put the
2: the little screamers around their necks so you can hear them coming, like a cat a cat <laughs> bell. <laughs> You know, because you don't want to be caught off guard when there's an orphan nearby.
3: You're finding if we are problems.
2: Going and to do that, could we also do it with the haunted Victorian dolls? I would like to know where they are at all times as well. Spit, you'd know they would just take them off right away and then they would put them around your neck and you'd wake up with a, a screamer around your neck. <laughs>
0: <sighs> there's really no fighting it. No.
1: All right. All right. Fine. Uh, I do want to address a suggestion that I have on my own I move that we change the title of the rule book from the rules to – or big book of rules to who rules.
0: Yes.
3: That's good. That's, yes. That's fun. Yes. all right, We've accomplished I'm going to go get Motion my engraver. <laughs> I agree. Ugh. Agreeing with spit on something.
1: Campaign Skyjacks is a one shot network production. For more information, be sure to follow us on Twitter at, at CampaignPod for updates about live shows and other events we might be doing. You can find more great gaming shows over at oneshotpodcast.com. Like A Horror Borealis. A Horror Borealis is an actual play Monster of the Week podcast set in the 1990s in the fictional town of Revenant, Alaska just south of the nation's least visited national park, and way north of everything else. A reclusive small game hunter with a magical secret, a young anarchist librarian with a passion for conspiracy theory, and a sensible park ranger with a strong local book club following find themselves pulled together by common threads woven mysteriously into their past when monsters begin plaguing their tiny community. But they soon discover the things they're fighting run much deeper and much closer to home. Tune in for a story about identity, empathy, community, mental illness, and healing. And stay for the beloved local diner. You can find A horror borealis on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Janet Kessler was played by Tyler Davis, who can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Tyler A. Dave. Gable was played by Liz Anderson, who can be found on Twitter at Liz Anderson underscore underscore underscore, or on her podcast, Paired. Travis Madigo was played by Johnny O'Mara, who can be found on Twitter at Johnny and Briefs, or on his podcast, Dilettante Ball. I am James D'Amato, your host and game master. You can find me on Twitter, at OneShotRPG, or on my other podcast, OneShot. The original music featured in this production was composed and performed by Arnie Parrott. You can find Arnie on Twitter at A-R-N-E-P-A-R-R-O-T-T. And you can find more of his work at atptunes.com. This episode was edited by Casey Tony, who can be found on Twitter at Casey Pony, spelled C-A-S-E-Y. P-O-N-E-Y, or on his own podcast, Neo Scum. Our logo was designed by Fiona Shea, who can be found on Twitter, at Fiona Pup. The world of Sphere was inspired in part by the music of the Decemberists and the card game Illimat, property of Together Studios. The game used in this production is a modified version of the Genesis role-playing system that was created by a talented group of game designers, who were fired by a private equity firm owning Fantasy Flight Games. There are no kings. Take flight, heroes.
3: Health to the strangers who've ever been kind And once for our friends near to rise Twice to the dearest we're leaving behind
2: Who know we can never deny The call of the sky